So there's a modern-day fable about a very wealthy man who became obsessed with the idea of having a garden. He was a guy who chased wealth in his life. He chased fortune and fame, and he found himself very dissatisfied. So he had heard that a garden was a place of peace. He heard that a garden was a place for emotional restoration to strengthen his soul. And so he wanted to have a garden. He became obsessed with the idea. And what he did then was he hired a PhD in horticulture. She was the best. So he hired her, and he met with her and started to give her the instructions of what he wanted. He wanted a spacious garden that would grow um, bountiful plants that would create beauty to the space, but also create beauty in his heart. And he, he had all kinds of thoughts about this. He wanted to do low-maintenance plants and drought-resistant things, and he wanted to have an elaborate timed watering system, and he wanted to put down fabric all over the ground around the plant so as to not need to weed. He wanted to be as efficient as he was, right? The maximum results for the minimum amount of effort. Well, I'm this PhD in horticulture, she had spent not only her entire life learning and designing gardens and garden spaces and being really effective at that, but she also had spent the bulk of her life uh, experiencing the beauty of what it meant to tend to a garden and the peace that it evoked from inside. So she had a wisdom, and she knew her stuff, so she had a lot of credibility with this man. And when he got done with his impassioned kind of speech as to what he wanted from her, he ended with, so I want as much as it can produce, I want as much peace as possible with as little work from a gardener as need be. And she replied, and she said, we need to get something straight right from the start. Without a gardener, there is no garden. And that kind of message, that same thing is what Jesus is talking about in our lesson today. So again, I want to encourage you um, to bring it up on your device or if you have a Bible, if you're one of our online folks and you have a Bible at home, I want to encourage you to look at John 15, starting at verse 1. This is a part of what is called the farewell discourse. In John's gospel, uh, Jesus meets with his disciples, and it's a very long meeting, and lots of stuff comes out of that. It's chapter after chapter of discussion in which Jesus is teaching his disciples. He is praying for them. He prays for Jerusalem. He prays for the world. He prays for the church. So he um, creates this meeting in which he basically says goodbye and tells them some of the things that he wants them to know in this goodbye. And so what he's telling them here is he's focusing on kind of the relationships, and it starts right where that modern-day parable does. I'm the true vine, my father is the vine grower. Without a vine grower, the vines really aren't, there's no garden, if you will, right? So we're the garden, it all comes to be because of the father, right? So uh, he's 
establishing that relationship. And again, as a reminder, he's doing this right before he leaves, goes out, gets betrayed, gets arrested, tried, tortured, and dies on the cross for you and for me. So what he's talking about here, what's important for him, is to get this identity piece set and to get the relationships set, right? So he's talking about God being the vine grower. He is the vine. We are the branches. I want to make clear that he's not saying you're the fruit, that we're the fruit. We're not. We are to bear fruit. We're not the fruit. That's important for us to remember. But it, again, is this piece of identity. We have to know who we are. We're a child of God, right? That's who we are. We're connected to Jesus, and through Jesus, we are connected to God because without God, there would be nothing, right? So, um, again, in verse 5, those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. We are all contingent in our identity on being a child of God. So what then we hear in verses 2 and 3 um, are words that are kind of interesting. He says, um, the Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. So it doesn't matter whether you bear fruit or not. Something's happening to you. And then um, to make more fruit, and then you have already been cleansed by the word that I've spoken to you. These three words we hear is all very different things. First century hearers would have heard this parable that Jesus is um, outlaying for us, and he, they would hear that those three things are actually all of the same root. It's the same process. Let's take a look at these words. The first... Um, which is in verse 2, is he removes, is actually arrow, which is to raise or lift up, so it gets kind of pulled up and off. The second is he prunes, which is katharo, which is to clean or pur purify. There's a cleansing aspect to it. And then katharos is actually to spiritually cleanse. So um, this whole process is one in which it's made better. It's made holy by the connection to God. Now, there is a little fear of that in verse 6 where, um, you know, you get cut off and thrown into the fire, but the actual beginning of these verses is not a threat. It has nothing to do with produce or get snipped. It's more that when you're connected to me, you know, the God works with you. The gardener makes you more productive. And the reason that we know this is because we hear... Um, in verse 3, you have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Now, part of that is the word that gets preached and talked about as we hear. But we also remember that John 1, 1 is, in the beginning was the word. So it's this understanding, this cosmic understanding of connection, that they have been cleansed because they have been connected to Christ. It is the word to all of us that we need to be connected to Christ so that we remain cleansed, right? I'm the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Right? So the whole deal is, is this understanding that this text is about our identity, who God is, who Jesus is, who we are, what we are to do, and how we are to remain connected. And so I ask you, are you being connected? 
How hard are you working at that these days? Do you seek to be connected to God through Christ Jesus? Is that an emphasis of yours in your life? If not, you have some work to do. And that isn't because we're afraid, but it's because that's what God calls us to. It makes us better when we are connected. And that's what we need. I mean, we've been talking about 2020, right? Every week we talk about 2020. When 2020, whenever something bad happens, we just kind of say, well, that's 2020, right? These are just such horrible, horrible times. And it's true. This has been a tough week, right? Between the election and COVID numbers spiking, you know, we, we just feel like we can't get a break. Everything is so stressful. Everyone is so on edge. Everything is so hard. And so that makes us not want to be connected. But the opposite is true. It ought to make us want to be more connected. These are dark times. We're struggling. We ought to find our way to God in Christ Jesus through prayer. Worth knowing Worth noting is that this is how it is for the wine industry. Not sure if you realize that. Show of hands, how many of you have ever been to wine country? If, you, if you're watching online, make a note in the comments. Have you ever been to wine country? I always wanted to go for years. I wanted to go and never had the opportunity. Um, and then last, uh, in 2019, May, um, our ELCA, Large Church Senior Pastors, they have a conference once a year. And, and so it was in Napa. And so I went. I'd never, Rose and I had never been. It was kind of fun. It was interesting to see. What I found remarkable was just how harsh the terrain was. That was really something that I noted. It wasn't great. Uh, we actually were asked um, to go see a particular vineyard by members of the church that we love, and they had gone, and the winemaker has connections to Nebraska. So we had an afternoon off. We had a rented car, so we drove out to this place, and it was mostly empty. It, it wasn't one of the big corporate places, and so it was kind of fun. And we had a kind of a customized tour, and this person showed us around. This is actually a picture of where we were. I didn't take it, but um, there's a building over on the right of the thing, and that we were at that building. And as we were standing there, the tour guides pointed up that hill <laughs> um, and said, do you see that, that swale? Do you see that crevasse? Well, that crevasse is actually the San Andreas Fault, which when you hear that, you're like, huh. If the earth opens up, I'm getting gobbled up right now. Right? So it makes you think in a whole different, on a, at a whole different layer, right? So I had this fear that I was going to be standing and the crack was going to hurt. So, but yeah, um, but everything was dry and rocky. And then I learned actually that this is how it is throughout the world. That, um, the greatest wine regions in the world flourish under the worst conditions. Places like the flinty hills of Chablis or the slate-filled fields of the Côtes d'Rhône, vines like steep kind of hillsides so that the vines can climb, and they thrive there despite the fact that erosion takes away most of the topsoil. It's so counterintuitive to us in Nebraska where we throw all the manure on the fields and then spray them with anhydrous ammonia, right? 
We do everything we can to get the soil as dark and black and rich as it can be. Folks who have wineries do none of that. Why? Because there's a prevailing knowledge and wisdom that goes along with winemaking. That the vines need to be stressed in order to produce the best grapes. I'm wondering if in 2020, that's a lesson that we need to embrace. That this time in which we feel so much stress can actually help us to produce the best fruit. There's only one way that's going to happen, and that is if we make sure that we are connected. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Go and bear much fruit. In 2020, I pray that will be so.